Packrip Media presents NFTeach. I'm your host, Dr. Jeremy. I was joined by Tools of Rock creator JJ Lane, his second time on the podcast, to talk about what life is like as a creator post-drop. I wanted to get an idea of some of the things he felt really positive about, as well as some of the areas or different aspects of the drop that he would change if he were to do it again. We also catch up on some of the challenges that he's faced and the future of Tools of Rock, which is very, very exciting. Uh, Some good alpha coming later in the episode as well. But I think let's just jump into it with JJ Lane, the creator and lead vocals of Tools of Rock. Here we go. Joining me on the MyMoment.com guest line, JJ Lane, the creator of Tools of Rock. He is giving me a momentary hiatus from Squid Game so my brain can take a break from watching the most insanity I think I've ever seen in one show. JJ, welcome back to the program. Really great to have you. Doctor, it's great to be here. And uh, I mean, honestly, to be a, a two-time guest is a privilege and an honor. So thanks for welcoming me you back. You are in esteemed company. Uh, you are with the Vivek Ravishankers of the world. I'm going to have Kylo Ren from AppDAO back on very soon. So yes, it is a elite group of people that uh, you are joining now. Listen, last time we spoke, it was pre-launch. What I want to do is just Let's go back in time and revisit some of the things that you were dealing with when we jumped on that call while I was back in the States. Uh, and, and let's just set it back up with like some of the things you were thinking about, worrying about, where your head was at when we spoke last, and then we'll take it forward from there. Yeah, perfect. Well, the thing I was stressing the most was, would we sell any and would anyone buy? <laughs> um, we sold out, which is great. Uh, and then the other one was, how do we eliminate this gas war battle that we're all still talking about. And, um, and so we, we instituted a a pre-sale, like a mint ticket that we, we created, um, literally like three days before we, we did it, we had like a 3d awesome, cool looking mint ticket. And that was our pre-sale. And we, we gave people a three day window, um, to kind of mint any time in that window. And, uh, what was crazy about that part was, we launched it on a Friday and it, we, we said you had three days and watching essentially those mint tickets and how many people we said you could mint up to four, I think it was. And you realize like you're just getting so close to selling out before you ever even went to launch. And that was probably the most humbling and I mean, like relieving experience of your life. And, and, you know, not to, you know, even bottom line is, you do a a drop like this, you make a lot of money and that's totally fair. And like, I don't want to pretend like, Oh, we had it so hard because we were struggling with this or, I mean, but you're watching this and you realize like your life is going to change kind of every time you update ether scan. Right. And that was probably the craziest thing. And, you know, there, there's a piece of it where it's like, Hey, your life is changing, but now I will tell you there's suffocating anxiety that comes from it because now it becomes very real. And I think exactly. the, the difference is I was not anonymous and, and what I sold myself being not anonymous. Well now, and we saw it just with that Ethelians project that just disappeared, right? They said, Hey, it's gotten too hard, right? Rest in quit. power Ethelings. It's been a nice ride for you. Uh, yeah, but okay. So I, that's a great place to start, right? Which is one, you are, you're not anonymous, which I think makes a difference, but two, 
Yeah, it's like uh, we're both parents. It's like having a child, right? You're you're think before the child comes. There's this sort of <laughs> preparation and anxiety and fear about all of these things that could happen. But the real game starts when the child arrives that first night that neither of you sleep and you're going through the reality that your life is forever changed. And so now you're facing like the, the reality of you have to deliver. Like first it was delivering on the drop. That was smooth. I think we've seen a lot of people copy the mint pass strategy now, which is good for everyone. So you were the pioneer yeah. with that, which I think is um, it. Not only I, do I want to say that it's like it's it was good for collectors. It's good for the environment, too, to be honest with you. But what I want to know is like, can you talk about maybe the first moment where you, it hit you of like, oh, shit, this roadmap, you know, that that we've created that we feel really strong about, like. It's not just a, a part of the Discord anymore. Now it's it's go time. Yeah, yeah. Well, th- I, I was telling everybody it's not a project; it's a business. And it it hit me though that Monday morning, um, our, our 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 actual primary drop was Monday night U.S. time, and um, I I was actually at my day job in the office, and I'm I mean. I had gone through, this is the crazy part of it, right? I had spent the weekend, we'd sold out 80%. Um, I had technically more money than I've ever had in my life. And I showed up at 8 a.m. at the office on my day job, the day we're doing the mint. And, and like, I was going through calls and meetings and like stressed about that stuff. And then on the other hand, like, it just, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I have, you know, 8,500 or, you know, I or you could break it down, you know, 2,000 you know, unique shareholders or investors or collectors. And I know we use that term cautiously and everything, but, um, you know, I won't be working for a FINRA broker anymore at, when this goes live. So um, <laughs> it, it's not as concerning to me, but I was like, okay, like we truly now have a business and we have to do what we said. And and I went back and I looked at my roadmap. I was like, okay, like, was this bluster or was this stuff that I genuinely now that like I have a gun to my head, can execute on it. Um, and so then like, I mean, I was just feeling so much pressure, but that, that night we had a great primary sale. It sold out. We had a blast, but that Tuesday morning we woke up and first thing was, okay, like let's start checking off the, like I was, every one of us was so aggressive to try and like prove to everybody that we were serious and we were going to do it. Um, we've knocked off a bunch of stuff where we've made at least significant headway on a lot of those items like sandbox. We've already got a teaser out and we've, we're showcasing that, you know, we're building in there. We've spent 80 grand already just on development at sandbox. And so it's like, Hey, we have to prove to everybody that, that this is real. Um, and, but I keep telling people as well, and, and I'll talk about this in a second, what like the hard part is. Right. Um, but yeah, like it takes time. You, you know, a lot of people would be like in our Discord, hey, and and I guess maybe I'm rambling here, but this is so funny because there's so many thoughts coming back as I, I retrace the the comments were, you know, we we'd get hammered. We just don't think you guys are doing enough. Um, you're not being aggressive enough on your roadmap. And I'd respond like I never tried to really argue, but it's like we are two weeks in, and we've already done four things on our roadmap. Um, and we've already, we've already donated $50,000 to make a wish. We've already spent 80,000 on sandbox. We already have a prototype video. We've already released our commemorative mint. It was like apes 
on their roadmap, they didn't release dogs for two months and they didn't do mutants for five months. It's like people now, like the expectation I think is just the hardest thing to manage. And you're essentially, if you're running a project and especially if you're not anonymous, you are essentially a CEO of a publicly traded company, but your shareholders, um, they don't wait till the quarterly or the annual meeting to vocalize their frustrations. They can just do it every single day on Twitter and discord. Right. And they can be very vocal, very loud. And so I think managing that, um, also mentally being able to kind of not let it bother you, um, because you're always going to have the vocal minority. And so I think dealing with remembering that you have 99% of the people that are silent and they're fine. Um, and then also managing your mods and your other team who might be a little less um, calloused, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so every negative comment hurts them a lot more. So I said a lot there, but like those are kind of all of the big takeaways when I look back at this whole process. Um, and now we've settled in. I mean, I'm the, the things that we're releasing this weekend are, are exciting. I can give you some color on that. Um and, and now it's it just feels like we've got a really good community base who believes in the long term. We flushed out, I would say, most of kind of the flippers that were just thinking, hey, this didn't 10x on me in five days. Like, what's going on? Well, so how do you sort of I mean, you talk about the callus, right? And uh, as someone who is a, a CEO of two schools, as someone who's been a CEO of five schools, like. I know how the anonymous survey feels uh, when someone will say something that you feel like cuts, it cuts deeper um, than, than you'd like it to and isn't maybe worded in the most helpful way. Um, how do you, how did you sort of handle that personally? And then how did you support your team in handling that? Because for a lot of the people probably that are, are working as part of this project, maybe that's not something they've encountered before uh, in their professional experience. So what was that approach like for you and your team? Yeah, well, I, I had the unique experience of being on The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, right? And so um, before I they ever even aired the first TV show, um, there was Reddit threads, And everything that people started sending where people like random people were going, oh, my gosh, look how ugly he is. Look at his unibrow. Oh, his like, I mean, they would just rip you to shreds. And then once the TV show aired, right, your Twitter and Instagram would essentially be a platform for every person that just was angry with their life to just tee off on you. Right. And and if you did something that they didn't think they liked or whatever, I mean, it it was that right there got me, got me completely ready. Um, because you just had to be immune to it. If, if you let all of the comments from, you know, gosh, thousands, I mean, man, you'd read my Twitter and I was not well liked during that period of bachelor. I mean, it would have buried a lot of people. And so I just decided as like, Hey, one, remember who's saying this Two, um, not one person has ever walked up to me in, in real life and said any of this stuff. So I'm like, put it in perspective. And then two, I just tried not to read my headlines. And so what I've told my team is, you know, if it starts wearing or grading on you, um, you know, I try not to jump in discord too much. I'll go in discord. If I want to drop alpha, if I want to do, you know, some, some little engagement, if, if I've got something fun to say, otherwise I, I find, far too often, I think it's just human nature, even like we tend to want to 
engage too much. Right. And then like someone says a negative thing and then you want to argue back and you want to just, and I'll tell them, I was like, look, let them burn themselves out. They can say whatever they want. Don't ban them. Don't delete the comments. They're looking for this piece of it, right? They want to fan the flame and be confident in what you've built. Be confident every day when we go to work that we're building something special. Um, and if you truly believe that, some random dude in Discord or Twitter should not move our needle whatsoever. Um, it's easier said than done. You know, I think, as you said, like not everybody had, you know, those experiences, right, to create this like mental barrier where it's like, well, someone can talk shit about me and and you know, I'll, I'll laugh and go about my life, right? Like, it's hard. It's really hard when people, especially my artists, right? Like, or, you know, my team, they have put, I mean, is they put everything that they have into this, right? And their art is a reflection of them. And that's something that I think people forget about in the NFT space is these artists, it takes so much courage to just put yourself out there um, for everybody to judge. And so you do that and 10 people out of 2000 will judge you harshly, but man, those 10 cut way deeper than the 900, you know, 1990 that, that say you did a great job. Right. And so okay. I think those are the hard parts. So, so I always, you know, for people that are in high profile projects like this, like I've had a lot of conversations with Jacob Eisenberg from Top Shot about how he keeps himself mentally sane with the FUD and the people freaking out day to day about different things that Top Shot does. So, um, yeah, I, it, that's definitely got to be one of the hardest parts of releasing a project is, is, um, not, not as much you, cause to your point, you were ready, but like shepherding and caring for your team when they're maybe not used to that. Now, if you go back in time and you look at the drop process, if you had one thing that you would do differently, um, anything that, that pops out into mind that you would go, you know what, slight difference I would make here. And I would do this instead of that. Any, anything jump out to you? The only thing I think that would be left for argument was the quantity that we allowed mint ticket people to mint. So we left, we, we said you can mint up to four. It, it, it only left, I think like 1600 or 12. I mean, it was such a small amount for the primary, but you know, the, the argument on the other hand, and, and so would be, well, if, if we had said, fine, like, we're going to have 5,000 left for primary. Right. You have way more people that are going to spend more on gas. Um, and so I think you, you know, probably if I could do it again, I would have allowed the entire process to be just sold out through the, through a, um, a pre-sale. Yeah. Pre-sale. Yeah. And, and then, you know, there would be stragglers and there might be a few hundred, right. That's left then you can either give them away, you can do giveaways, or you can just burn it, right? Um, so that's one. The other one, I guess, and we're going to start doing this on future projects, um, but it's this catch-22, was was the quantity. And so the biggest struggle we're facing right now with volume one was we did the quantity and the pricing to set us up financially and to allow us to, to build and, and have road, you know, runway. Uh and, you know, now for me to quit my job and to do this full time and to take on these ambitious plans. But on the other hand, the 8,500, you know, I, 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 in a perfect world, I would, I, I'm trying and I'm, I'm 
every day I'm trying to come up with ways. We just burned 600 of them. I want to get the number down to 5,000. That would change the floor completely. Um, and it, it creates, you know, I, I think for this piece of it, we just have too much quantity, but like our future volumes, we're only releasing 3000. And, yeah. um, and so that's the dynamic is like, but there is no future, like, there is no future release. If you don't get the first one scalable enough to allow, you know, like to your point, the runway for a future edition. So yeah, yeah exactly. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So w- where are you now? Um, you know, I know you have uh, a big announcement that's, that's either already come today or coming today. Uh, you, you sent it to me through Twitter DM, but where, what are some of the highlights and things about the project that you want to highlight for, uh, collectors or people considering to collect and go, get in on secondary now, um, uh, with where you are at this point? Yeah. So th- what we're doing right now is, um, sandbox, you know, high level we've, we've got a great partnership with the sandbox team. We've hired an amazing, uh, developer that is, that's being built. Um, so that's exciting in more kind of near term actionable items. Um, you talked about collectors we're releasing similar to what top shot did or Madden ultimate team. We're finally releasing our first collection. And so what that's going to allow us to do is twofold. One, you're able to redeem, um, you know, different, you know, tools of rock volume one, if you've got say, so our first one, um, that we're going to reveal is our Led Zeppelin collection. And so you've got to collect different Led Zeppelin traits. And then additionally, you've got to collect, uh, a handful of other just random traits. And so we're picking some common traits. So, you know, a certain background or a certain frame, um, that are, you know, pretty, pretty easily accessible. Um, but you know, in exchange for those 10 different tours that you have to have, um, you're going to get essentially a, a very custom one of one, um, Led Zeppelin tool of rock. And when I say one of one, it's, it has no similar traits except the Zeppelin traits that are on it. Um, we expect maybe like 15 people probably to complete it. And so, you know, you're going to be one of 15. I mean, maybe if maybe, maybe 50 people do it, but you know, it's still going to be scarce. something, uh, it'll be very scarce, obviously. And the, the other piece of it is we're forcing you on your three, you get to pick, but your three commons, um, you have to burn those if you want to complete the challenge. And so wanting to find different ways to incentivize people, obviously to collect more, but to then reduce, you know, the, you know, the, the cheap floor items, uh, and get that number, you know, further down towards 5,000, which in my head truly is probably the, the sweet spot. Um, because we have such an amazing collector base where, where people are collecting this, they're obsessed with just the music, the art, the, uh, era. I mean, we have, we have big, big holders with 30 to 50 to 60 that are holding these things, but we also have, um, you know, a lot of our cheaper traits need to go. Um, they were great. They got us on the map, but man, like let's throw them into the bonfire and, uh, you know, reward these people that are truly holding these. Um, so that's, that's one of it. This is the other big one. And we are finalizing the contract, but I'll say it now. It's, it's unbelievable. We've secured the rights to, um, about 115, uh, classic, rock and roll photos. So, uh, from the actual photographers like, um, queen Freddie at live aid, 
um, Beatles with Muhammad Ali. We've got like never before seen Beatles pictures. Uh, some of the last pictures of the band together. Um, and so we have all of these pictures that we're going to bring to the blockchain for the very first time as one of ones. And that is something for us that we think will completely one, it changes the game. It validates us that we we're trying to be music, right? We're trying to be IRL music as opposed to right now, our album covers are not the album covers because we don't want to get sued. Um, but we, we want to be moving towards licensing and we want to be working with real bands and this Which is again, our first step. No, no liquidity, no runway. That, that is another thing that is absolutely impossible. Right. So I, I, you know, it, it makes sense. Like it, it, I can follow along. So, you know, you have these, you know, inspired, um, uh, this inspired art for the first volume. And now you're able to pull in, you know, never seen before photos and, and create one-on-ones of them. Uh, that's, that's very, very cool. That that's going to, I think that's really exciting there. And then the, the last thing is, and, and I have been wrestling with it, but knowing that I'm getting out of the securities business and I'm not, you know, as of Monday, quitting my job and, and not going to be beholden to Fenra and the SEC, um, <clears throat> we are, we are going to get into the Dow game. Um, it is something that I've waffled with and, and I know that we run some unique risks, um, but it's being done extremely thoughtfully and we want to get a Dow. And the, the, the way we're going to start the process is five of the pictures, um, the, the, the vintage pictures, we're actually just going to put in our vault. Um, I'm taking, I think I have 51 tools of rock and, and a lot of, I mean, I, I, I think I spent 50 grand on the secondary right after launch, just buying pieces that I wanted. Yeah. And, and, you know, buying them at much higher, you know, values than, than, you know, really probably should have. But, you know, at that stage I was wanting to encourage people and, and I wanted to, to make it worth their time. And, um, so I'm going to donate my tools of rock into the vault, um, our gods of rock, which is our avatar release. That's going to come out here in about a week and a half. Um, we're going to dump, a, a you know, we're going to buy in the secondary and we're going to dump a bunch of those in the vault. Um, and then just continue to, to add into the vault. Um, long-term plan obviously is, is finding ways to create unique ticketing options, um, with our venues. And so, you know, ticketing, just that industry in general with scalping and, you know, IRL events need to be moving to the blockchain, right? But we're in the blockchain and we're going to have virtual events. We can have, we can be the first ones to kind of set an example on how ticketing works. And we want our VIP pass holders to be in a spot where, Hey, I don't want to go to this show, but I've got the ticket. I can, I can scalp or I can sell my ticket to that event, right? They can make money off of that, that ticket but they're not losing ownership of their pass, right? It's like yeah. season tickets. I can sell one game, but I still retain the rights to the tickets. Um, so we want to do that. We want to find ways where if we're getting advertising revenue, if we're getting selling the naming rights of the stadium, if we're getting generating revenue off this piece, we want to find ways the VIPs, the DAO is getting funded um, from there. So this is like much, I mean, it's funny because everyone's like, well, what have you done for me lately? It's like, man, the things that we're trying to accomplish are, have never been done or they're being, you know, we're 
were one of the first few people to, to attempt these things. And it takes lawyers, it takes time, it takes, you know, lots of negotiating. Um, it is, you know, it's just like a business, right? And I think that's the difference when you're doing a business deal, you know, I, I'm an M&A, to, to sell a business, it takes eight to 12 months, right? And to, to negotiate any sort of large strategic contract or joint venture, any of these things, it doesn't happen in a day. It takes a long time. And and so, you know, for our investors, collectors, we hope that they recognize this is not an overnight process that, um, you know, you bought into the volume one to help fund, you know, you invested in us and we're giving you the VIPs and we're giving you access and there's only 2,500 of you forever. But now let us build, right? Let us keep finding ways to do it. Um, and, you know, so that's that's my soapbox, but like, that's like what we're trying to build. And it's, when I say it out loud, it's freaking daunting and scary, but it's so exciting because I'm already seeing so many of those things happening. Like it's, it's real life. I want to ask you another question. And I mean this with all seriousness, because I have experienced this firsthand and I, I would love to hear your experience with this, which is the first time you brought this up to your wife, this idea of the NFT, what the hell was her response to it? The first time you said to her, Hey, honey, these JPEGs, they're, they're trading in an insane amount of ETH. Like, how does that conversation go? I can remember talking to my wife, but I'm just curious about what that conversation was like for you. <laughs> well, I, I started with Zed and she understood. Oh God, Zed. that's the first place you started. Digital horse breeding is the is the the first yeah. sort of. Uh, oh, I, that was the one where my wife said, "What the hell are you talking about?" And I was like, "Yeah, no, this is a real thing." Okay, I can't wait to hear this. You started with Zed, yeah. So I started with Zed, but th because it had different utility, right? Like you could breed, you could you know race. There there was different dynamics that that I think had much more real life relic like you, you could reach out your head touch that. Yeah. yeah and so that was a great entree um and that was april 7th but then on may 7th i remember it very vividly i i realized i needed an ape oh, and jesus that was that was the hard part right so <laughs> and and at the time eth eth was at like four thousand dollars Oh, ETH had, like ETH What's crashed, the floor like, at the time like, for the apes at the point where you're buying? Like, wh where are we in maybe one and a half? Oh, one God, or, this is oh, floor. No, 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 no. Oh, floor, floor. I was thinking high and sir. Yeah, floor was probably like 0. 0.45. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But ETH was 4,000 at the time. And so it was like, and, and I had put every penny we had into Zed um, at that stage. And so now it's like, I was like, look, I really need to buy this ape. And I remember I was at my desk. It was like a Saturday. She was with my brother and his girlfriend. And I was just like sick to my stomach. I was had my eye on a few. I put a, a couple low ball offers in. And like, I mean, I'm debating getting taking our credit card, right? And like buying more ETH with a credit card. I mean, I'm like a desperate man, you know, just... <laughs> <laughs> the perfect position for, for yeah. to, to be victimized by an ape yeah. seller. Yeah. And, and ended up buying my first one, uh, at 0.85 ETH. And I mean, it, it, it stretched, stretched me thin. I think it cost me like $2,800, but, 
And I told her, but I was like very apologetic, but I was like, <laughs> I, I really think this is something like you got to just trust me. And shockingly, like she was unbelievable, you know, crazy supportive of the entire thing. And she just, she didn't get it, but she saw that I had conviction and she's like, okay, like, you know, I think she, in her head, she's like, man, if this screws up, I'm going to have carte blanche to do whatever uh, I want with money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's, so my situation was I have given my wife a, a hard time about making me miss on BTC because she was like, Oh, the Bitcoin, like, you know, no. And so, you know, I had done the calculation on what we would have made had I invested at the time. And I'd showed that to her. And so, you know, her thing when anything comes up is just like, just do it. Like, it's fine. Just do it. I don't want to hear that I made you miss again. So that was, it was the inverse for me uh, in terms of getting me into the space. And, uh, but I mean, again, I am a pretty cautious minter. I would say that I'm still more bullish on top shot long-term because of the non-gas aspect of it all. And there's not enough projects that are taking the approach that you did and trying to minimize that that impact. So uh, yeah, I, I, I had to have a similar conversation, but um, yeah, I, I think getting the ape, like little does your wife know that 0.85 was such a steal. I mean, uh, 0.85 well, is like. So then I got, you know, a, like a week later, I kind of wrangled up a little bit more and I bought another cheaper one for like 0.45. And, you know, it was just like, so the next thing <laughs> you know, like I had five apes and, you know, we're like, you know, like, I think this is something. And in our head, we're thinking it's something that will make me 5,000 bucks. Yeah, right? or, sure. That's reasonable. Not, not remotely thinking at that stage. I mean, and then it was, I mean, and then I've had so many misses. Like, man, at one stage I owned 11 gutter cats and like really good gutter cats I felt super convicted. I got in during the FUD of the drop. I just got all these like steals. And then two weeks later, I freaking fire sold everything, essentially broke even, maybe made an ETH. And because I just like, I was like, man, I just, I feel like only the same guys are talking in the Discord. I learned a, a good lesson. One, don't go to Discord and spend all your day in there reading it and thinking like that's the market, right? Like it's a vacuum, it, right? Just, yeah, sit on the sidelines. Like, I never read other projects, discords anymore because it'll either make me too bullish or too bearish one or the other. Um, and so I just panicked. I got out, I used the money to buy another eight, but a week later, all those like the gutter cats mooned. And like, I, I look back, I'm like, man, what a freaking miss. Right. So like we have all these <laughs> like you know, misses, but you know, I always left too. is like, nobody hypes their misses. Um, we only like, you know, you only hype your wins, but then additionally, like, um, it's like VC, your few major wins cover hundreds All of losses, losses. Right. Yeah. And, and so like, that's kind of how I approach it is like, if I have to cut bait and get out of something like, and just reallocate the ETH, so be it. Um, but you know, for the newcomers that are in, they don't, they, they don't, they're not sitting on a hundred X, right. That, that is protecting all their downside and, and the future mints. And I think that's probably the biggest challenge that we're facing is there's a bunch of us that have kind of resources now to go take a little different risk profile. Um, and then we'll tweet about it and we'll do this, but yet you have people that are coming in with what I was at 
0.5 ETH. And that's, that's everything that they got. Right. And so we have to be really cautious about how I think we present things. Um, that's a great point. And I think that when we think about supply and demand and we think about where it's going to go over the next six months to 12 months, more people getting involved, NBA season starting, top shot exploding into series three, crossover between people then discovering NFTs. I mean, that was the on-ramp for a lot of people into the NFT space. I, I do think that, you know, a 0.08 mint for someone who's really liquid and has tons of NFTs that they could just sell and, and you know, get some ETH and go versus like, this is your first, you know, you're riding, you're throwing it all on red on the roulette wheel here and you're hoping it's going to do something. Yeah. That, that's a very, very sort of different uh, uh, aspect of, of entry or point of entry for people. And I do think that we need to make sure that we're supporting people to not overextend and to be cautious and to find projects, you know, find your cool cats, find your 0.02 mint that you really like the art and it's ripping and people, there's a whole culture built around it. Those projects exist, you know, and I think the lower mint is going to become more in vogue because of that, that very issue. Uh, okay. So when we last spoke, we were talking about the fact that at the time you were sort of like the only non, a non creator of a project, like a, your team. Uh, I mean, you do have some people that are anonymous, but you being, you know, the leader of the project um, being a, a, you know, and you're fully Googleable, I guess, for lack of better words. Where do you sit now, looking back on that conversation a couple months later? Do you think that the the Ethlings thing is going to lead to more people um, <clears throat> being a little more like having more scrutiny for the creators and the creative teams and wanting to have some sort of knowledge of who these people are? Well, right before we launched, remember it was the the. Russian men pretending oh, to be the yeah, black females. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and then remember they had their drop where it was like the, the, the black female, um, NFT that they were pushing that literally the day of that drop is when they got discovered that they were three Russian dudes. And that was the week that we launched. Like, so, I mean, we've dealt with this for a while. I thought that we would have seen, you know, seismic change a month ago. Um, I don't, I don't think anything has changed. I have yet to see a project really come out, um, where somebody is putting their true face and Googleable self behind it. Um, and, and the ethylene thing. Yeah. Like it's just another one of the, the things that, you know, is, is in the, the rear view mirror at this stage. I will say there's some unique dynamics that I never thought about. And it, it actually created some panic for me it was, one, like you become a bit of a target. Um, and, and I had never thought about this dynamic, but one, everything is so discoverable on the blockchain. And if all of a sudden, you know who I am and we have our white paper and we have our corporate structure and our LLC and our white paper, well, when I originally set that up, it had my address associated with it. Oh. Um, and it didn't even dawn on me, right? I'd set the thing up four months prior and so like, you know, I've since hired lawyers, we've restructured, we've got registered agents, we've got all this stuff done. I've got like a, uh, you know, a, an office that I just pick a mail up at now. Like I have this piece of it, but like 
I was panicking because heck you can see, Oh, JJ owns X many apes. And I can see how much the project meant and what's in the wallet. Like for a half, half brain criminal, you can, and then you're like, Oh, here's where this dude lives. Right. I was not comfortable with that at all. Like I, it was an unintended consequence that had me very scared for probably a week um, and, until and I sorted that out. Not to mention that you could be, you know, not only the target of unwanted guests, but people could start sending you pizzas on a regular basis. And that would be an awful <laughs> thing to contend with. No one wants an anchovy pizza sent to their home unsolicited. But I mean, all kidding aside, like I can imagine that would be really frightening for a second. And then uh, then having that conversation with the missus as well of, uh, hey, by the way, you know, um, people can find us. Not not great. So I think, yeah, finding that middle road is going to be uh, and you do wonder if marketplaces are going to start KYCing, and maybe that's going to be the sort of middle road, right? Like, uh, yeah. because I, I think that there has to start to be some sort of accountability on creators to not uh, untamed elephants or ethling their their supporters or the people who who've bought in. Listen, JJ, I've taken a lot of your time on a Saturday, and it is also Sunday morning for me. Uh, <laughs> it's midnight here in Dubai at this point. I want to thank you for coming back on. I'm sure we're gonna we're gonna do another episode, and you're gonna enter the the three time guest club, which is only uh, Desert Minter, my good friend, and Vivek Ravishankar. That's a very very elite group. We'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll get you there soon. Thanks so much for joining. Hey, thank you so much. And, you know, if, if I could be like Dr. Disrespect and be the three time of anything, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd love that. So sounds Oh, great. it's coming, my friend. Don't you worry. <laughs> it's coming very soon. Listen, JJ, uh, continued success and uh, looking forward to seeing you in New York here, not in the dis- yeah. not too distant future. Yeah, a month and a half or so. Yeah, yeah can't wait. absolutely. Thanks so much. Hey, see ya. I want to thank my special guest, JJ Lane from Tools of Rock, for catching up with me. Going to be bringing you some great episodes this week. Going to be catching up with Rob PT45 to talk about loot box laws. And also, just cut an episode with Cowboy Fan 95 talking about what it's like to get a number one serial. Uh, it, it's a really great story. And it ties into my Nine Lives Lounge collection. Uh, lots of great stuff coming up on Packrib Media with the Packrib Ewing podcast. Episode one up, episode two coming, as well as here for the moments and all of the great written pieces that come from Otis, Swicky, and Adam Fish. Without further ado, it's Dr. Jeremy saying, see you later. Take care of yourselves and each other. Mm-hmm.